0: You are doing well? Yes. Yes. That's good. You know, every every time I approach scripture and I, I'm, I know I'm preaching, I guess in my heart, some things just need to be preached. Some things, you know, you feel like God is moving you a particular way. And, and often when you feel moved by the Holy Spirit to speak about something, um, you, you have to get out of your depth a bit. You have to maybe go where you've never been or you don't have all the answers so today I'm not sure I've got this like neat sermon for you well that could be a good thing though too true and so uh, I'm just going to dive in and we're going to go to what I think is like one of the one of the scarier passages of the New Testament. So often we look at the the Bible and we think, well, you know, the Old Testament, there can be some difficult to deal with stuff there. But let's just stick with Jesus and that keeps it simple. But to tell you the truth, if you really listen to what Jesus is saying, Jesus doesn't necessarily keep it any simpler. And so uh, I want to go to Matthew chapter 25 today. But before I get there, um, just talking about this season that we're in, and I'm so glad that I think we seem to be coming out of you know like all of society I noticed that this week we noticed it in our favorite coffee shop like for the last couple of years we haven't had to book a table just haven't had to book a table we have, we're starting to have to book a table now in the last week and to me it's like praise God you know society is going to spring back and we are going to get back into this but to tell you the truth I mean this season has been a reset We we all understand that and some things probably do they did need to be reset some of us probably did need a bit of a rethink and I know for myself I mean the the introversion that tended to go or the introspection that tended to go with this last season um, uh, I hated it I really hated it I uh, we're having a major emphasis on mission right now it was simply because it was really hard to do mission you know what I mean like I think we've seen less people, less new, fresh decisions for Christ, less baptisms than what we've ever done in this last few years of the church because it's a little bit hard to invite a friend to something that's going to have a lot of people at it. You know what I mean? Many of us might not have had people in our homes as much as what we may have once done. There's been this forced introspection and I've hated it and then I've hated discovering it in me. Where I actually realized actually no, I am thinking that way. Even though I haven't, you know, maybe been massively affected by this the way some people have, it's still caused me to sort of get a bit introspective and a little bit distant from people, a little bit disconnected. And I know you're here, so I'm preaching to the I'm preaching to the choir today. I'm preaching to the converted. But I think we do need to talk about this. Actually, the need for us to reimagine engagement. What it means to fully engage again. And of course, we've been talking about missions. and I'm not necessarily going to talk about that. But in Matthew 25, there's this passage that Jesus gives a discourse that I think is perhaps one of the most disturbing in the New Testament. And of course, Jesus being a first century rabbi with the rhetoric that, They use, you can see it in this passage, you can see hyperbole in this passage because it's funny, we allow modern preachers to use those literary devices, but when we come to the Bible, we just want it to be like a textbook. And sometimes we fail to recognize that, you know, Jesus was a preacher, and preachers tend to use hyperbole. We tend to exaggerate. To make a point, is it okay if Jesus does that, or am I being a heretic for saying that? But Jesus used literary devices the way that we do to make a point. However, no, no matter how much you try and filter this story through that, it's still scary, okay? Because he's making a very, very clear point. And um, and then I'm just going to make a bring a couple of conclusions. I'm going to read a fair bit of scripture. Are we okay with that? We're okay to read the Bible in church. You okay online? You are okay to hear a little bit of scripture? I'm sure we are. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left this is anonymous already okay or is no one reading this with me do you have a sense of like oh I, I don't want to be a goat already and so then the king will say to those on his right hand come you blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for I was hungry and you gave me food I was thirsty you gave me drink I was a stranger and you took me in I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? They're like bewildered. And the king will answer and say to them assuredly I say to you inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren you did it to me And then he will say also say to those on the left hand depart from me you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels for I was hungry You gave me no food, I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Again, they're bewildered as well. And then he'll answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That's a difficult passage, isn't it? Come on, I mean, if you're really, really thinking about it, and, and, and yet I think sometimes, I don't know about you, I know for me, from the earliest you know my earliest parts of my journey when I'd read that passage I guess I couldn't always see myself in the story because I mean I didn't really think I had a prison ministry although I did do that for two years at when Westbrook was a uh, was a juvenile prison I went there for two years and did music in the chapel and shared with the boys but really I couldn't say that I was doing what Jesus was saying when was I feeding the hungry when was I you know I'd come across the odd sick person. And and it can be easy to disqualify yourself if you're thinking that the level's way up here. But again, I just want to reintroduce the thought that Jesus used hyperbole too. To make a big point, and it doesn't dismiss at all or let us off the hook. It actually makes us engage the needs of humanity, Jesus is saying when you see need and people have need everywhere, when you reach out to them, you're actually touching me. In another place, Jesus says, if you you even give a glass of water in my name, you've given it to me. And the amazing thing is, and I've always seen it in, in our interaction as God's people with this world, is that when we actually reach out to someone whether that's within the church or outside of the church, when we're reaching out to bring some form of comfort or some form of, of provision or some form of encouragement or healing or whatever we're doing, in that moment, something miraculous is happening. It's more than a good deed. In that moment, for the person who has need, you are Jesus If you're doing it in Jesus' name, you are the clearest Jesus that person is seeing that day. And in the same moment as we reach out and we reach out towards that person, we're probably seeing the clearest Jesus we're going to see that day. And sometimes they're disguised in difficult circumstances. People who might speak differently to us, and I'm not talking necessarily the English language, variations on the English language that we're not comfortable with, or the way they dress, or the, the attitude they have towards life, or whatever. But the fact is, when we reach out, we become Jesus to them, and they become Jesus to us. You know, most Christians, I think we've all had the, uh, at some point, you know and it, it may be at a high point in our Christian journey and experience, we've sort of thought, wouldn't it be wonder, wonderful to have been one of the disciples to sat at the last supper to have Jesus wash our feet or to offer to wash his feet or to to run and untie the donkey and get it ready or to go to the upper room and get supper ready and just be Johnny on the spot with Jesus and actually, I think that's what matthew twenty five is talking about. It's not as scary as you might think. Jesus is literally saying in one sense and I'm going I'm going to now use colloquial language, our language, that Jesus is saying there'll be hell to pay if you hold your life too tightly. If you could dumb that whole message down, it would be and 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 we, we could talk about defining what that actually looks about. But, but really, that's what Jesus is saying. If you don't give your life away, you're going to be a mess. It's going to end up a mess. And I think we know that. And again, I'm preaching to the converted today in that sense. But I think we really, really need to know this as we have to re-engage after a massive season of withdrawal and being tempted To be self centric and being tempted to sort of only rotate around the things that tend to affect us, that push in on us, or that frustrate us, or that make us angry. There's been such a season of that. And now it's time to uncircle the wagons and re embrace the world. This is the world Jesus died for, and we will never see Jesus clearer. Than what we see him as we reach out to another person with hope and power. So here's some observations I want to make, and and again I think it can be difficult to try and make really specific applications with this scripture because I I'm not sure Jesus was trying to give us a list of what to do to get to heaven, which is how often it's been read. I think he was trying to make a much bigger point. Of giving our lives away here's some observations the problem was what they didn't do you know it's funny I don't know about you I'm just going to talk about my journey as a sinner Dennis is leaning in he loves it when I (laughs) he's just happy I'm not picking on him Um, my journey as a sinner I think if we're honest maybe it's just me If we're honest, we tend to think about things that we do as being the bad stuff. Honesty's starting to come, I can tell. We we tend to think of what we do. We tend to think, if I could put it this way, we tend to think of sins of commission. And it's really easy to forget sins of omission. (laughs) But that's what Jesus is actually talking about. He's not talking about some bad thing you did. Because, you know, it can be easy in our Christian journey to just try and keep ourselves from messing up. But you're actually only living in neutral there. There's another whole gear to shift into, away from just the stuff that might mess, where we might mess up, but into stuff where we proactively reflect Christ. And I think that's why we have to understand really what scripture says sin is what sin is is not a moral list of do's and don'ts that defines who's in and who's out but that is often the image that we've sort of projected that I preached for years and years and years but what I've come to understand it to mean when I look at scripture and the bible tells us really really clear what sin is it's falling short it's falling short and then you've got to ask the next question what are you falling short of Well, Paul even answers it in the book of Romans and he says, falling short of the glory of God. Because man, understanding the Genesis story, we are created in the image of God to reflect our creator. That's what you're seeing. Or that's what our world sees when we reach out in Jesus' name and bring healing or bring life or bring provision or do something. That's what they're seeing. They're seeing a reflection of the creator, whether they understand that or not. And I think all heaven applauds for that. that. This is why Jesus said, don't do it for people who are going to thank you for it. Don't necessarily do it for people who are going to get you back. Just give it away because then you're like your father in heaven who makes the sun to rise and the, and, the, and the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, both alike. And we begin to shine like him. But often we struggle, we struggle with that concept. It's like, well, I'm not a sinner. And I'm not trying to make you feel like one either. I'm just saying, there are things that we need to do that are just as important as maybe some of the destructive things we need to stop. (laughs) Does that make sense? And I think that's exactly what we see in this passage. Jesus is highlighting it to them. This is not just about being holy and set apart. This is about actually having your overalls on and being immersed in a broken world. The next thought... Uh, and actually, just before I move on from that, if I can, it's, it, it's sort of like a recipe. When I was thinking of illustrations, you know, um, for the last couple of years, I've really enjoyed cooking, like many, many people have. And I've enjoyed cooking. And two of my favourite things are, you know, any sort of variation on Italian pasta or stir fries. And you get to a point when you're cooking, as anyone who cooks knows, where you get to a point where you sort of go off recipe, you know what I mean? And I just go to the veggie drawer like for a stir fry and it's just like, I'll get a bit of this and a bit of that. And, oh yeah, that'll cut up. That's nearly rotten. I'll cook that tonight. Uh, <laughs> you know. And a couple of spoonfuls of ginger and a bit of this and soy sauce and some oyster sauce or whatever and, and you come up with a nice stir fry. But it's amazing when you're doing that that if you're not careful, if you leave something out, you don't really realise it until you taste it. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, oh, I've got this great stir fry. And it's like, well, that's not like last time. And then it's like, oh, I left something out. And I think that's what Jesus is actually trying to bring home to us. Don't, don't leave critical elements out of this journey of transformation. Because ultimately how we interact with other people is how we prove that we're changed. There's no other way of doing it. Turning up in church and smiling and looking like our lives are together doesn't actually test our faith whatsoever. But when we engage a broken world, then you have to begin to manifest Jesus. You have, we have to put ourselves in a place where we go, you know what, if it wasn't for Jesus, I would never be doing this. <laughs> and that's when God gets glory. If it wasn't for Jesus... There's no way. We should have friends who look at us and go, I don't know why you do that. You know what I mean? People who may not have faith in Christ should be looking at us going, I have no idea why you would be doing that right now. Why would you do that with your time? Why would you do that with your money? Why would you do that with your emotions? Why would you do these things? And the only answer you can give is, because Jesus has touched my heart the love of God compels me. Here's the second thought. You doing okay? Second thought is everything was about community. When I look at it, I'm just trying to draw some thinking from it, but everything was about community. And it was about, you know, the broken, the troubled, the needy. Uh, No one gets left behind, I think is what Jesus was, the point Jesus was trying to make. And if I boiled down what he was talking about, I want you to listen to this. So I talked before about sometimes we disengage because we think, wow, well, I'm not, I haven't got a prison ministry. I'm not a healing evangelist. So it's like, well, that stuff sounds so much higher than where I'm at. I broke it down. This is what Jesus is talking about. Food, drink, fellowship. That means a getting together and a sharing of hearts. Physical needs met. Empathy and Mercy. When I read what Jesus, that's the list of what he gave us to do. And I think as we reimagine engaging, that gives us a key for how and where in our world we can re-engage. And as I said, they were all in it together. It was about community. When Jesus spoke to them, he said, sheep, goats, plural. There's a community of the unfeeling, the insensitive, the insular, and the introverted in the sense of they've circled the wagons, it's about them. Not introverted personality-wise, just to, for the introverts amongst us. And then there's a community of the generous, of those who are determined to reach out and make a difference in their world. So there's these two different communities, point being, it's about community. You're either in a community of the compassionate, the generous and merciful, or a community of the self-focused and self-satisfied. We've heard it well, our society's got a saying for this, birds of a feather. They do tend to. Um, As iron sharpens iron, the Bible would say, so does one person sharpen the countenance of their friend. We are all in community. The question comes down to what is the community that we're in? and I'm talking now maybe even beyond church, but it does pay for us to look around occasionally and see who we're surrounding ourselves with in life. What are the topics of conversation, for example? Who am I talking to and what am I talking about? I love this quote by Eleanor Roosevelt and many of you will have seen it, but I'm not sure there's a better one when it comes to filtering what we talk about And she says this, great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, small minds discuss people. So who are we surrounding ourselves with? Where is the time, effort and emotion invested? Because if our time, effort and emotion is all coming back to the centre, we're in danger of actually omitting something really important from the recipe that God wants us to cook with our lives. Does that make sense? Okay, next, uh, next last thought. And this to me is like one of the most stunning ones. Whether you were ignorant and self-centred or whether you were generous and engaged, it was a lifestyle for both of them. It was actually a lifestyle. It wasn't a one-off As a matter of fact, the scariest thing about this whole passage is both groups share this in common. They were both totally oblivious. The ones who weren't were totally oblivious to the fact they were leaving something really important out of the recipe. And the ones who were seemed to be doing it, not necessarily intentionally, it's just who they were. And it could be a scary place, you know, to just be in a place where you are actually living subconsciously, not even stopping to think. Now, of course, if you're doing well and you're actually baking the cake with all the ingredients, that's not so harmful. For the others, it was a real wake up call. I think it's what we say you shape your habits, then your habits shape you. And we do know that. You simply are a sum total of your habits but here's the thing we don't tend to naturally drift towards what's excellent I think that's far more intentional we don't naturally just drift towards doing great things achieving great things that's something that we actually need to set our heart on and set our mind to and when I look at Matthew 25 I just think that's all Jesus was doing he was just yanking the chain really hard to wake everyone up and again it's it's not not real it's a parable it's a story he told to illustrate a point possibly that we need to understand that we can leave important things out even while you know we're keeping ourselves from things we shouldn't we need to be aware we could leave things out that we're surrounding ourselves with people that are like-minded and that we will eventually become like if we spend enough time there. And finally, that generosity is a lifestyle that should, should probably at some point just become subconscious. We just live out, focused out, reflecting the, glim- the glory, reflecting the image of God to all of creation no matter how broken it is and that's just who we are it's not even conscious anymore we just do it and I mean I just I love that passage I, I know I started off saying that passage is scary but I think if you can take that and apply that it's not actually scary it's just Jesus yanking our chain and making us take stock of where we're really at. So here's some questions. Is there anything you suspect you might be leaving out of the recipe of life? Ultimately, as I said, if there is life in giving yourself away. Jesus said those who save their lives will lose it. But those who lose their lives for my sake will find it. So there is life in giving, giving ourselves away. Is there anything we're leaving out if the future me will look like my current friends, is that who I really want to be? And it never hurts us to stop and ask ourselves that question. Whoever we're hanging around with, whoever's speaking into our life, whoever we give you know, emotion to and receive emotion from, that group of people in our life, is that who I want to be? and it pays for us to take stock of that because eventually we do tend to begin to reflect what we hang around with if I had to describe my pattern of life and I just wonder most of us have got a phone here would you pull out your phone just for a second if you've got a phone or a piece of paper if you've got a piece of paper I want to give you some homework to do right now if I had to describe my pattern of life in one or two words or sentences, what would I say? One or two words of sentence, this is my pattern of life, this is how I live. And this is just an exercise in doing exactly what Jesus, I think, was trying to do, was make us stop for a moment and think, wow, how would I describe myself? Two sentences or even just two words. I think at the core, I'm this I'm that or my pattern of life I think at the core I'm open to this and I regularly do that just two things two words two sentences and I'll give you just a moment and it's just taken stock it's looking in the rear view mirror and finally what is one step I can take toward reflecting more of God's image, God's character, God's nature. This is not just about some massive leap, some massive change that we need to make. It should just be about polishing one facet of the diamond. Potentially that even the disconnection of this season of COVID, we've allowed something to dull off. There's something that maybe that we used to do with a passion for Jesus that has been impossible in this season but I'm just I'm trying to say folks hey I think that season might be passing finally the whole world just seems to want to get on with it so what's one facet of the character and nature of God that I can revisit in my life and bring back to a brilliant reflection of who he is have you got your little bit of homework done some of you might be taking that homework with you Dennis doesn't like being back in school but Rose is going to make him do his homework when he gets home why don't we stand together why don't we stand together and let me pray for you Father help us to re-engage our world Help us to recognise the moment. There's been a few false starts, but we just seem to be in a moment where this is just going to gain momentum and it's probably only going to go one way. So we want to be on the leading edge of that. Re-engaging our community, re-engaging the marketplace, our schools, universities, wherever you have us, re-engaging our families, Help us to re-engage and reflect Christ in amazing ways with mercy. Even reflecting Christ with a meal. Reflecting Christ with connecting in the lonely. Help us be salt and light. Help us reflect your heart to our community, Father. Come on, if you're committed to that, say amen with me. Amen. And, uh, and just lastly, if you're with us here today in the room online, you want to know more about Jesus, we want, to, we want to help your journey with that. You might be at a point right now where you're like, you know, I think I know what I need to know about Jesus. It's time I just made a decision to follow him. And I want to encourage you, friend, don't put it off any longer. Do it right now, right where you stand, right where you're seated, right where you're listening to this. Just make that decision to open your heart Say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Whatever that means, I'm going to follow you. And um, you can make that decision right now. And Pastor Sue will help you on the rest of the journey. Well, Can we thank Pastor Chris this morning?